0: America has led the tech revolution, but now some smart investors are backing emerging market startups with similar models, huge addressable markets, and much less competition. Today, we talk with Reflect Ventures. Welcome to another edition of The Angel Nest, where real angel investors and entrepreneurs partner to build great new companies. I'm David Hemingway. I'm a five-time founder and now an active angel investor, and my mission here is to talk about how investors collaborate with startups to build great companies. We don't make or recommend investments, and this program is for informational purposes only. As high-tech ventures spread across the planet, Michael Friedman and Jor Law have discovered huge opportunities backing startups with similar business models to the giants except they're in emerging markets and frontier markets like Africa, Pakistan, and Morocco. Imagine investing in a place that's beginning to adopt smartphones, but you already know what the smartphone revolution could bring, and they're getting in at lower valuations before the VCs. Reflect Ventures finds, and in conjunction with their network of investors, vets and backs companies that are taking established business models to these new venues, often in places far away from Silicon Valley or Silicon Alley here in New York. Today, we meet Michael Friedman and Jor Law, and one of their very happy investors, Rahul Alaysia, who's gaining access to deals he says he wouldn't otherwise see, or perhaps even dare to invest in. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, David. Pleasure to be here.
0: Michael, you're a native New Yorker. Uh, What got you to move to China, start investing in emerging markets?
1: Well, long story, basically working for Oracle, went out to Hong Kong. You can't sit in Hong Kong for five years next door to China without thinking that you've got to go and find a way to move over there, which I did working for various startups and then life happened. And before I knew it, 20 years have passed. As for investing in startups, that's something that I've been doing basically ever since I had sufficient financial resources to do it. I've always been, you know, very excited to do it. I've worked for startups. I've worked for a bunch of startups. I run my own company and my own startup, which I then sold. And now, you know, it's really a lot of fun and very rewarding to be investing in other people's startups. Would
0: you tell us how you got the idea for
1: Reflect Ventures? Well, I and several other people were very interested in investing in a company that was coming out of one of the accelerators here. And they said their minimum investment was 500 k And that was more than I was willing to put into one early stage investment. So they said, bring some friends. And because of that, I was forced to figure out how to run a syndicate. I did that together with some partners, including Jor Law here, and we all invested together and we put in a bit more than 500K. And then we said, you know, it would be a real shame to waste all of the learning that went into this. We know how to do it. The second one is 10 times easier than the first. Let's keep doing it. Startups, of course, often have to invent their own business models
0: or they do land grabs, try to figure out profitability later. That can sometimes get very expensive for investors. Joe, the part of your model that I really appreciate is that you're taking products and services that have already succeeded in other parts of the more established world, you apply the lessons learned, and then find new markets.
2: Uh, yes, we are. And I think part of that has to do with our teams uh, growing up, working in, or exposure to emerging markets we've seen a lot of the models that emerging markets that are are, are now further developed, uh, such as in China, right, which has gone through a a lot of progress and, and innovation uh, for this market here. And we see now the rest of the world where these markets are now just starting to enter their stage of development and the same type of opportunities exist in these markets. Uh, we take our learnings from what we see happen in the West, as well as our experiences in these developing markets and predict and project what we think will happen in these new emerging markets, as well as provide a lot of guidance to these target companies to help them develop in a better and more efficient way.
0: Rahul, does Reflex process give you the confidence to invest in what would normally be considered more risky ventures?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as as an investor, I'm also... I'm always kind of uh, looking for 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 new ventures, and uh, new things to kind of support. And what the Reflect Ventures guys do is, of course, they give access to emerging markets, markets like Africa, uh, throughout Africa, markets throughout Asia that normally I would never get access to. But what they really do is get into the details, the nuts and the bolts. They do a lot of homework. They do a lot of due diligence. And that's really comforting to an investor.
0: So, Michael, tell us about some of the companies you're invested in, if you would.
1: Some. I'll tell I'll talk a little bit about market force and Dastagir. Both of these are neighborhood store supply chain companies. So you think about the neighborhood store in a country like Pakistan or Kenya or Nigeria or Morocco. And you know, it's not like New York. You don't go, well, New York, you don't go to the Walmart either, but you've got big supermarkets and stuff. And most people have cars or they get on a bus. It's not like that in these countries. People are going out to the store every day or every two days many don't have a refrigerator only a very small one they're buying what they need for the next couple of days and they are walking home with it so the neighborhood store is the center of economic life this is where everybody buys everything they need to eat mainly eating you know all the fmcg goods but also their soap their shampoo and everything else and we're investing in the companies that are now basically recreating the supply chain for these stores giving them a one-stop shop you go and you buy from dastagir is one of these neighborhood stores and their truck comes it's a special truck designed to be able to go through the alleys of a pakistani you know small town you know small alleys and stuff gets to the store and they take out everything that that store has bought give it to the store owner well not give he's paying for it but You get the idea, and he's got a one-stop shop to buy it, as opposed to shutting down his store, going to the distributor who's going to give him the soap, going to the distributor who's giving him the shampoo, going to the guy who will sell him the rice, and spending a full day replenishing and buying everything he needs in order to sell it from his store. It's a game-changer.
0: Why is all this innovation happening now, do you suppose?
1: What is happening in these countries is that smartphone penetration is going from 10% to 40%. People who need a smartphone for business are making the investment, and for them, it is a real investment, in order to buy a smartphone that they can use. This enables whole new business models. This is happening throughout the third world, and these are the companies we are investing in. So Rahul mentioned Dastagir, which is in Pakistan, and MarketForce, which is in Kenya and Nigeria primarily, but also entering a number of other countries in Africa. We've also invested in Cherry. Cherry started in Morocco, moved into Tunisia, then acquired another company doing the same thing in Ivory Coast, and finally actually made an acquisition in France. And that's really cool because they are now supplying the North African grocery stores in France. The North African worker in France is able to go to these stores, buy product, and he's going to be able to make a remittance He's going to be able to hand the store owner 100 euros, and five minutes later, his wife, his sister, his mother in Morocco or Tunisia or Ivory Coast is going to be able to go to a store and get 100 euros worth of local currency. Minus, of course, a small fee, but small compared to what these people would normally pay in order to remit money. Uh, Chary, by the way, also is, uh, has recently announced they are purchasing a unit of AXA, AXA, the French bank and insurance company. And they've spent it's a $20 million transaction so they're growing fast they're doing it in order to get fintech. Financial licenses in Morocco that currently are no longer being offered, you have to buy one of the companies that already has them. They're a first mover they're moving fast and they're doing it and, finally, we also invested in Turbodega. again the same business model, but in Mexico and Peru. So this is the same thing. We're doing it again and again and again, investing in the same kinds of companies. Now, because we invested in four companies that are very similar, we put them together with each other. They talk to each other. They give each other advice. They have the same problems and they're non-competitive.
0: So you're investing in smaller markets. Does that mean less competition?
1: Definitely. So in most of these markets, there are two or three players and the company we've invested in is one of those top three. And they are going to be almost certainly one of the winners, because these are not probably going to be monopolies. They're going to be oligopolies. And that, by the way, is another part of our model. We don't try to pick a worldwide winner. Picking a worldwide winner is very, very hard. Who would have known that Facebook was going to win the uh, social network wars at the beginning? Impossible to tell. It's relatively easy to pick a local winner. For example, we've invested in meds and more in Pakistan, pharmaceutical distribution to pharmacies. They were number two when we invested in them, they are now number one. This is an industry where, which is a natural monopoly or oligopoly. There will be two or three winners maximum in Pakistan. We're basically going to be, we've invested in what is going to be the McKesson of Pakistan or one of them. They're going to be one of the winners. Jor, I guess
0: the big question is, will returns really justify the risk in these markets? And how does Reflect Ventures increase the odds of success?
2: I think uh, in our approach, we will find better opportunities in emerging markets because of, of three things that we're doing. One is that we're doing a lot more searching analysis for these companies. Secondly, we think uh, there, and we've experienced this, is that there's less available capital, right? For a lot of uh, investors, let's say in, in, in the Western hemispheres, right, the U.S. or Europe, their first reaction may be, wow, where is where is, it, where is this country even on the map? So um, that that eliminates them from from this investor set. However, uh, what they're not seeing is the data, right? That these populations are young, the populations are growing, their income is growing, and these are all very positive, right? As 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 economies and countries move from you know poverty to low income, low income to middle income, all sorts of other things happen, right? Uh, the, the providers of goods and services to these, in in these, in these countries tend to do well, right? As they have, you know, from history and example that we've seen throughout the rest of the world. And thirdly, one of the other areas is, is how we add value. So the entrepreneurs in these countries are trying to build these businesses and we could say, look, they're doing their analysis, but they might be doing it through the lens of someone who might be doing it for the first time we've seen a lot of these stories play out successfully and unsuccessfully throughout various geographies. We try to help them succeed by eliminating the places where they'll make mistakes. And as we build an ecosystem in these verticals or in these countries, we try to create synergies amongst these companies so that they may learn from each other as well as trade and maybe uh, further on in the uh, future, uh, even band together and, and merge together.
0: Michael, tell us about some of your other investments and about the concept of replicating the business models. I think that's really fascinating.
1: Yes. For example, we've invested in Truck It In, again, in Pakistan. And by the way, we're doing other trucking marketplaces as well in other countries. And when we look at Truck It In, we also look at Convoy in the U.S. to get an idea of what they can do, Black Buck in India, and Manbang in China, all of which are very, very successful trucking marketplaces. It tells us that this is the right model and that these other countries are going to develop into it. And this is huge. Right now, if you're a trucker taking a truck from, say, Lahore to Karachi, when you get to Karachi, you don't know what load you're going to bring back to Lahore. You're going to go to a neighborhood in the city where there is an open outcry market. And you're going to walk around yelling, does anyone have a load to to Lahore and somebody else is going to be walking around yelling, I have a load going to Lahore. And it may take you a couple of days to find that guy. And until you do, you're sleeping under your truck. Now you invest in a smartphone. And while you're on the road from Lahore to Karachi, you're finding your load back from Karachi to Lahore. You don't need to sleep over. You drop off your load. You go to pick up the next load. You head home. That's a game changer for these people.
0: And how about the competition for capital? Does that put you in a better spot?
1: Our investors benefit both because of capital not being as available and because of good picking. First off, obviously, in these geographies, capital is not as available, especially in early stage. As you get to later stage, we are seeing the big global investors come in, the Sequoias, the Tiger Globals, the SoftBanks. And what that means is that there is, in effect, a return compression when a company gets large enough for those companies to invest, all of a sudden the valuation spikes.
0: So I think every investor learns that the discipline to say no can be just as important as what you actually do invest in. What's your philosophy around choosing deals?
1: We're not investing in the areas that people tend to get very excited about. So for example, earlier this year, end of last year, there was an awful lot of excitement about lending to the unbanked. And many of our investors were asking us to look at lending to the unbanked. We looked at it in Nigeria and in Pakistan, and we just were not comfortable. The biggest issue was that we saw no reason to believe that this was going to be a monopoly or an oligopoly, and hundreds of companies were getting into the space. The second issue is that it's regulated. And as you begin eating into the profits of banks, well, the chairman of the bank, He goes and attends the wedding of the bank regulator's daughter, and he probably gives the happy couple a new car or maybe even a new house. Your new startup is not able to do that. They do not have those relationships. Add to that that you have, um, you know, that in many of these countries, the banks are required to buy government debt, and that is how the government finances itself. If you take that away, if now all of a sudden people are lending to the unbanked instead of lending to the government, and that's what is supporting depositors and giving them higher interest rates, well, the government's not going to sit still for that. They can't allow it. So we walked away. Instead, we're investing in things like trucking. Virtually nobody knows about the companies that we talk about. I talk about Convoy in the United States. I bet that most of your uh, listeners have never heard of it, but they're a big company. In the same way, most people have not heard of Truck It In in Pakistan. We invested in Oware in Pakistan, which is warehousing on demand. Closest U.S. analog is a company called Stored. Again, a very large company, very successful company, great for its investors. And how many of your listeners have heard of it? These are the companies where the people who are not paying attention into these particular verticals do not invest. They are undervalued industries in an undervalued market. Then we do think we do a good job of picking, but we also make it easy to pick. I've talked before about how we're not trying to pick global winners. We're trying to pick regional winners. We don't try to pick a company that is going to be the global winner in trucking marketplaces. That's really hard. We try to pick the one that's going to be the winner in Africa or in actually West Africa, the one that's going to be the winner in Pakistan, the one that's going to be the winner in Egypt. We're looking for more companies in the warehousing on demand industry. And again, they do not need to be global winners. We'll be very happy to get one that's gonna be a winner in Argentina and Chile. And that's big enough to create a huge business.
0: Is it more cumbersome to invest in emerging markets? How do the logistics work?
1: So for our investors, there are no extra requirements. We use an SPV as a service company in the United States. They're gonna be investing in a Delaware LLC and we handle everything else. Most of these companies are forced by their other investors to create a parent company either in Delaware or Singapore or Cayman or somewhere else that is, you know, more reasonable. There are pros and cons to that, but that is the way it is. And by the way, you might be you might be um, surprised where it's hard to invest in. Uh, we walked away from an investment in Germany very very back at the beginning before we decided to focus on emerging markets. Because the mechanics of investing in a German company were effectively impossible.
0: So, gentlemen, this has been really fascinating. Definitely a new avenue for angel investors. Uh, Thanks so much. Michael Friedman, Jor Law, and Rahul Aleja, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Thank you.
0: You'll find contact information for Michael Friedman and Jor Law and learn more on our website, theangelnest.com, where you can also reach me. We're always looking for great companies to profile, so if you have one or just want to make a comment, please do get in touch. You can reach me at david at theangelnest.com. And now for the disclaimer that we don't make or recommend investments at the Angel Nest, and this program is for informational purposes only. We do not verify and cannot be held responsible for claims made by our guests or sponsors, some of whom may pay a fee to appear. I'm David Hemenway. We produce The Angel Nest in New York with help from David Newhoff. Thanks for listening. And here's hoping my fellow angels and the entrepreneurs they support find their next great venture. So long until next time.